You're listening to a podcast by Mission Field USA, a church planting initiative of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. For more information and resources, visit lcms.org slash church planting. Hello and welcome to the Mission Field USA podcast of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I'm the Reverend Dr. Mark Larson, Manager of Church Planting, and joining me today is Reverend Dr. Ken Sherb, who has been the District Mission Executive of the Central, Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod since the summer of 2017. And previously, he served as a pastor for about 20 years in two different congregations. And our topic for today is starting the church planting conversation. So uh, welcome, Dr. Sherb. So glad to have you with us today. So good to be with you, Mark. Yeah, so um, can you tell me a little bit about uh, why it's important to have this church planting conversation? Yeah, it's kind of the very first step, but it's a necessary first step if we're really going to engage in church planting. I've been trying to take a little survey, and and granted, I was doing this during the height of the COVID pandemic in 2020 and 2021, but whenever I could get a group together, I would just ask them what their attitudes were uh, toward church planting. And I tried to soften it a bit. I didn't just ask people what their own attitudes were. I asked them what they thought, and granted, it's a judgment call here, but what they thought the attitude toward church planting was in their congregation, the congregation of which they are members. And I asked them to kind of rate it on a scale. And then I went a little bit more boldly and said, okay, among other central Illinois district congregations that you know pretty well, what would you say the attitude is there? Generally speaking, what I came up with by way of results, and these were in some cases groups of pastors, in some cases groups of lay people, sometimes it was a mixed group with both, but no matter who it was, the responses tended to be right around the lukewarm point. In other words, we're not against church planting, we're certainly not virulently opposed to it, but we're not really all that much in favor of it either. And I was actually reflecting about a year ago to a group of pastors in one of our circuit uh, pastors conferences on these results that I was getting, and they were coming that way pretty consistently with every group I talked to. I said, they just so don't seem to be either hot or cold about this. And one pastor said something that really flipped a switch in my mind. He says, I'll tell you the reason why people in the congregation that I serve aren't very much in favor of church planting. You're right, they're not against it, but they're not much in favor of it because they're simply not even talking about it. And they're not Mm -hmm. talking about it among themselves because nobody's talking about it at church. And nobody's talking about it at church because I'm not talking about it at church. And I'm not talking about it at church because I don't know enough to say anything intelligible about it. And so I started to say, well, you know, we do have this church planting manual. I mean, your former colleague Steve Shave wrote about a hundred page manual on church planting. It's very good. Mm -hmm. And I started to say to this pastor, well, we've got this. And he stopped me in mid sentence. He says, I don't need a hundred page manual. How he knew it was a hundred pages. I don't know. 
<laughs> but he says, I don't need a hundred page manual. What I need are some easy, quick helps that could get me started with this conversation. That, as I say, flipped a switch in my mind. So at that point, I started talking with Steve and talking with other people about how we might come up with something like this. So I've been at work uh, for a while now, for a few months, on trying to develop some simple tools that we can provide to pastors and congregation members just to get them started talking about church planting with the thought in mind that not much else is going to happen with regard to church planting if we're not even talking about it. Very good. So it sounds like you almost need to plow the soil before you start planting, in other words. Okay, yeah. That If you want to kind of extend the <laughs> metaphor in that direction, that's that's exactly what we're trying to do here. Yeah, and it's central Illinois, so uh, that, that would be something they would probably relate to, right? The plowing and the planting. We can identify. <laughs> well, excellent. Excellent. And a lot of times I think people don't realize that uh, church planting is indeed the best way to reach new people for Christ. It's been that way for a long time, probably since the foundation of the Christian church, but even more recent uh, indications and studies, even within our own Senate, is that um, newer congregations generally, not always, but generally, are able to reach new people um, for Christ more efficiently and, and more often than established congregations. So, um, so this great co- you had these great conversations with folks and you said something uh clicked in your head okay we got to start talking about this so i understand that this uh led to developing a couple resources and one of which was um a brochure now for whom did you write it now the idea here is to make something available as i said a moment ago that we can give to pastors and to just uh, lay people in congregations that will be pretty readily understood and understandable that will lay out what church planting is and how a particular congregation might get involved and i wanted to have something that's simple i'm envisioning at this point anyway uh a couple of eight and a half by 11 sheets of paper. You know, you can take this, probably download it off a website, run it off on a copier. You fold it once. It'll kind of end up looking like a church bulletin. And Mm -hmm. there's your brochure in two parts. And again, the first part is about church planting, uh, just sort of more abstractly considered. And then the second part gets more personal. How can your congregation be involved in church planting? Very good. Um, so, so for this brochure, it sounds like it's going to kind of make the case for church planting. And, um, can you tell me more about the first part? Well, the first part starts with our Lord's desire for the lost to be sought. He said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's in Luke chapter 19, at the end of the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus. And then as the book of Acts, which is really kind of part two of the story, you know, after Luke writes the book of Luke, he writes the book of Acts by inspiration. And at the very beginning of Acts, he says that in the first book, he wrote of everything that Jesus began to do Mm -hmm. and to teach. And I love that word began. I love calling people's attention to it because think of what's in the book of Luke. I mean, you get really a very full summary 
of the life of Christ. It starts already before Jesus is even conceived. It includes the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary. You're going to be the mother of the Messiah. It, of course, includes his birth, the Christmas story in Luke 2 that we love so much. It goes all the way through his baptism, his temptation, his works of teaching, healing, his compassion, his parables, his miracles, all the way through to his death, resurrection, even his ascension. That's all in Luke. And now at the beginning of the next book, Acts, Luke tells you that that was everything that Jesus began to do and to teach. All of that was part and parcel of his self-proclaimed mission to seek and to save the lost. But that was all just the beginning. Yeah, the work mm-hmm. of paying for the sins of the world is complete. He said in John, it is finished. And the resurrection of Christ is finished, and his ascension is finished. But his work, his doing, and his teaching continues as it continues through his church. Jesus sends the church to bring the gospel out to the world. And church planting is one more way of doing that. Jesus said in the book of John, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And famously, Luther commented about that. Well, then a seven-year-old child knows what the church is. The church is the holy believers and lambs who hear the voice of their shepherd. Now that's holy believers and lambs, whether they are in a old, venerable, established group of people or a brand new group hearing God's word. The group can be many people or few. It could be in a church building, an elaborate, ornate, beautiful building, or it could be in somebody's living room. Either way, when the word of God is there, when the gospel of Christ is there, when the voice of the shepherd is there, people are being called to be sheep. So it's a congregation. Congregation, by the way, that word comes from the Latin word grex, flock. So you've got a congregation. So the idea here is starting new congregations that are going to start small, but that are going to be real Christian congregations. I know you've probably observed this many times, Mark, and it's probably been a point on this podcast many times before. These days, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod thinks of a new church start as an intentionally organized gathering that meets on a regular basis for worship and or Bible study, and that is intended to grow into an LCMS congregation. So there's three things there. It's intentionally organized. It's not haphazard. It meets on a regular basis as an intentionally organized group. Second thing, it's meeting for worship and or Bible study. The gospel of Christ is going to be front and center here, and it's intended to grow into an LCMS congregation. Now, notice what's not said here. This group may or may not own any property. It may or may not be formally organized and incorporated under state law. But if there are sheep hearing the voice of Christ their shepherd, the church is there. You've got the start of a new church. Absolutely. Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am also. Yeah. So then we move on to pointing out that starting new churches 
as you said a moment ago, is an excellent way to reach the unchurched. And we look at it from two different points of view. First of all, from the point of view of the church itself, because a church that's just getting underway is very likely most attuned to bringing in new people. It's going to put its best foot forward, as it were. It's going to highlight the gospel of Christ and energetically go about telling the good news. But also, from the standpoint of the unchurched, starting new churches is a good way to reach unchurched people. Think about it this way. If people are at all interested in kind of putting their toe in the water at a church, which is going to be more appealing? I mean, a brand new congregation or a congregation that's 100 years old? Where would newcomers more likely to feel themselves out of place in a group of people that's well-established, where everybody knows everybody, or in a group of people where everybody's more or less new? Now, you might say, oh, come on, it's kind of shallow, you know, for people to think, oh, I'm going to be uh, lost in the shuffle and, and, and I won't be able to meet new people and stuff like that. You know, is that really even the why, the, the most important reason why you're there? I would say it's something of an unrealistic expectation, I think, to expect that unchurched people are going to be thinking and, and speaking with spiritual maturity. So, yeah, we do have to kind of bend over backwards to reach people where they are. And on top of all that, consider just population dynamics. The population of the world, population of the United States is growing, but the percentage of Christians in the population is shrinking. And of course, population moves around, it's mobile, some communities shrink while others grow. We need to be planting new churches in these places where the population growth is occurring. Mm -hmm. Very good. And so uh, that's the first part of the brochure? Yeah, well, it kind of ends up with a couple of observations, which won't be new as far as you're concerned, I'm sure. Lutheran church plants are designed to grow into Lutheran churches, and our synods has a good list of uh, mission priorities, the first of which is to plant, sustain, and revitalize Lutheran churches. The very first word there is plant. Now, that doesn't mean that nobody is concerned about the existing congregations. And the question Mm -hmm. will come up, it does come up, it came up in the groups that I was surveying, why plant new churches when we've still got a lot of room for a lot more people in the churches that we already have. And of course, mm-hmm. nobody wants to overlook or ignore those existing congregations. We are trying not only to plant as a synod, but also to sustain and revitalize Lutheran churches. And there's a lot of tools for revitalization. That's probably a different topic and a different podcast. But still, yeah. the planting of new churches does not have to be derailed. Because it's nothing new in the history of Christianity for the church to be growing numerically in some places, even as it is shrinking, as it were, in other places. And one more thing, churches that plant other churches very often tend to grow themselves because they fall in love with the mission of seeking and saving the lost, Christ's own mission, all over again. That pretty much is the way the first part of the brochure ends. Well, perfect. Uh, and uh, it, was, it sounds like a wonderful resource. So um, 
then what is included in the second part? Well, the second part is called your congregation's involvement, and it reflects on the fact that historically, certainly in our synod's history, the idea of putting a cohort of people into a new church start from the very beginning has proven its value over and over again. Now, some of those people may return to their original church after a while. Others may stay with the new church. But during the early days of a new church plant, having that, sometimes it's called a core group, can amount to just being an invaluable people resource. And that means congregations have to be a little bit daring. They have to be concerned less about losing members than they're concerned about losing the mission, the mission to seek and to save the lost. Now, another thing that's going to be needed is a church planter. There's got to be a pastor, a, a shepherd for the flock. And there are different ways in which this can be arranged, and I'm sure you've talked about that in other episodes of this podcast uh, the church planter may be called by one church to start another. You have a kind of a mother church starting a daughter congregation. Uh, a district may call a church planter. The church planter may be the pastor of one church in the circuit who is kind of working now to start a new church in the circuit, taking on that church planting responsibility on a part-time basis. Maybe the uh, new church planter will be bivocational, working in some sort of secular employment to make money while he's working in the church plant. When you get to that point, the, the, the actual identity of the church planter is going to be very important. The church planter has to be chosen with much prayer and care. But that's not to say that you can't start, at least make a start, even if you don't have the quote-unquote professional church planter. And, and here's where I really think that we need to uh, raise the sights of our people, because once they get the church planting congregation, conversation rather started in their own congregations, they can bleed that conversation out to the other churches in their circuit. Because a circuit, a group of congregations that are all together in, in a geographical place, more or less, can provide a great deal of help for a church plant. It can be a source of financial aid, uh, and other kinds of assistance, just planning and strategizing and trying to figure out where best and when best to do things. Those are the kinds of decisions that can be made. I really push the idea of the Circuit Mission Council. We have a couple yeah. of circuits here in central Illinois that have Circuit Mission Councils. I wish there were more. I hope that we'll get some more here soon, because those couple that we've got right now have just done invaluable work. A mission council can be one of the best friends that a new church plant can have. Now, when you start this church planting conversation, you need to do it, I think, soberly. And this second part of the brochure does not overlook that point. Uh, it's not like everything is rah, rah, yay, yay, and there aren't going to be any difficulties here. In fact, I liken it to a traffic signal. I don't want us to think of a, about a red light with respect to church planning, which is to say, stop, don't do it. But I do think we need to bear in mind that there is such a thing as a yellow light. A yellow light on a traffic signal means that you should be exercising caution. And before we enter the church planting intersection, we need to be cautious about a few things. We need to observe some yellow lights. We need to know that not everything we do in church planting is going to quote unquote work. 
And it's frustrating to me as a mission executive when I hear people say, oh, yeah, we tried that in such and such a place. It didn't work. As if that's to say, we'll never try that again anywhere else because it didn't work. Not everything you do is going to quote unquote work. And that can be frustrating to people. Especially the first. I'm sorry. Especially the first time. Well, people are looking for some rote formula or magic bullet. And there is no guarantee in that sense of success. But still, there are some bad ideas we should avoid, like spending a lot of money on land and buildings at first. You don't need a large launch, but you do need commitment. Uh, Very often, young churches are going to need assistance, not for one or two years. They may need assistance for more like eight or nine years. And you need to be committed. You need to be ready to walk with them and help them out for that period of time. And then, of course, there's the green light on the traffic signal, which means go, because church planting does have great potential to reach the unchurched. And it does provide established churches a way to engage the mission and not simply let it go by. And even if a church plant eventually falls apart, If people heard the gospel through it and were saved and were brought into other congregations that endure when that thing goes belly up, then the effort really is not a failure. And we need to think of it in those terms. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds like a fantastic brochure. Are there any, anything else in that that uh, you want, want to share with our listeners? Well, I do make reference to Steve Shave's church planting manual. If you really okay. want the fuller story, I mean, if this kind of whets your appetite, and I'm hoping this brochure okay. will whet the appetite of people, uh, that brochure or that uh, manual called uh, Mission Field USA, a resource for church planting, is still the best thing I know of that we could put into people's hands. Absolutely. And I happen to know that there's also um, online learning modules on that same resource that uh, that our listeners can connect to based on the the resource for church planting. And, so. and to say nothing of the uh, real, the what, what would you call it, a backlog or a, a reservoir of materials that you've got in this podcast alone. Sure. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very good. Now, uh, Ken, I also stand you're working on a video. Um, can you tell me about that? Yeah, well, in this day and age, you don't just content yourself with something printed on the page, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you also develop something that people can can watch. And so the idea here is to put together a four-part video. Each part will be about five minutes in length and designed to, well, start the discussion. That is, promote conversation, ending with one or two questions that people can talk about. But for the purposes of a video, what I thought it would be a good idea to do is tell an actual story. Now, Mm -hmm. I am not myself the greatest authority on church planting. However, I do have some early in my career experience with it. Mm -hmm. When I was in my first call, I was uh, installed as pastor of Peace Lutheran Church in Bern, Indiana, about an hour's drive south of the seminary campus in Fort Wayne. I started there in 1988. I went to the fall Indiana District Pastors Conference, my first one. And at one of the sessions there, they handed out a map of the state of Indiana, including for each county, 
the percentage of unchurched population in that county, according to U.S. Census Bureau statistics. And of course, this was 1988, so I'm looking at statistics from the 1980 census. They're almost a decade old by that time, but still, it was striking. I was in the most heavily churched county (laughs) in Indiana. And I was in the city that everybody in that county would have agreed is the most heavily churched city in the most heavily churched county in the state of Indiana. (laughs) But to our south, actually about 15 miles down the road, down U.S. Highway 27, was the county seat of one of the most heavily unchurched counties in the state. The Hmm. city was Portland, Indiana. Portland, just like the city in Oregon. Portland, Indiana was a town of about 15,000 people at the time. And we did have some members who lived close to or even in the city of Portland and drove up to Bern for services at our church. And that just sort of struck me. I mean, I was there probably within two months after having been installed as pastor, but I couldn't get that out of my mind, that that close to us, we had that kind of opportunity. So we started thinking about what we could do. One of the things that I did early on was to uh, get a group of people who lived, these were my members, who lived down that way, uh, south of us in Portland, and said, why don't we get together for Bible study? We found that we could get a meeting room at the public library there. The only restriction that the library had was anybody needs to be welcome at your meeting. And we said, sure. (laughs) We're all in favor of that. So just before the library closed on a Thursday night, they closed at eight o'clock from seven o'clock until 745. We had a Bible study. And at first, it was just a Bible study for the members of our congregation, but it was at least a move in the direction of doing something in Portland. Then as time went by, we started talking with the uh, district mission board in the Indiana district. They were very clear to say two things. Number one, they were all in favor of our effort. If we wanted to start doing something in Portland, they were behind it 100%. The other thing they said was, we don't have a dime to give you. (laughs) (laughs) So we we actually gathered support from our circuit. There were 10 other churches in our circuit at the time. And I said, how about each of you give us just $400? Now, remember, this is like 30 years ago, and we're talking about the value Mm -hmm. of a dollar as it was 30 years ago. $400 would have bought a little bit more than it can buy today. But still, it wasn't that much money, each of the other churches in our circuit said, yeah, we'll give you $400. And in addition to that, something we hadn't anticipated, we had uh, two or three Lutheran schools in the circuit, and they started giving us chapel offerings from their chapel services, Sunday school classes, adult Bible classes, LWML societies started giving us money. We actually ended up with plenty of money. Now, with that kind of money, we could not go out and call a new church planter. I ended up being the point man for this because I was the pastor closest to Portland. Portland was 15 miles away from me. It would have been at least 
30 miles away from anybody else in my circuit. And, and by the way, that may or may not have been the smartest move. I mean, I ended up with the job by default simply because I was close. It may be that the pastor who's best suited to begin new work in a given place might not be the closest one in a circuit, but that's how it happened in this case. We started figuring out how we could take the money that we had. We rented facilities at the Jay County Boys Club. Uh, We'd have services there on Sunday evenings, not maybe the most ideal time, but we did do Sunday evening services every week and a Bible class thereafter. We uh, used the money also, though, for all kinds of things. We, We bought advertising, newspaper advertising, radio advertising. We held a ice cream social in the park in Portland to introduce ourselves to people, just to let them know that we were there. We prepared the way before we launched. We actually launched with the uh, uh, service on Easter Sunday in 1991. And for several weeks prior to that, we had been going door to door, working the telephone, doing everything we could to invite people to this uh, first service of our new We called it Peace Lutheran Chapel because it wasn't going to be a brand new church from the very start. It was at that point simply Peace Lutheran Church in Bern operating out of a second location. And Mm -hmm. so uh, we we, we had the money. We had the wherewithal with that generosity from our circuit to do a number of things by way of publicity. And so things just started moving from there. And... uh, it's, it's an interesting story. What I do in the video is kind of little bit by little bit to tell the story of how we got this idea, how we got started with it, what kinds of things that we might learn from that even today. I mean, by our present definition in the LCMS of a new church start, we had a new church start already when I started to do those Bible classes, right, on Thursday sure. nights there in the yes. library. Because it was a regularly established and regularly meeting thing, which had Bible study, which did proclaim the word and highlight Jesus Christ, and it was ultimately designed to grow into an LCMS church. We had that kind of thing, and that's part of what I would like to convey with this story. Sometimes people think church planting, that's got to be big, that's got to be massive. How could we ever try to do something like that. We were doing it almost with the very first thing we did. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and the gospel has power in the end. And that's, that's the amazing thing is we go into new fields. uh, The gospel will work. We have that promise from God. In the ultimate, we got two new people, two new people from Portland came to our uh, first service on Easter Sunday, 1991. And a year later, on Easter Sunday, 1992, we had those same two new people. Mm -hmm. From that standpoint, this may look like a failure. In the summer of 1992, I got a call and left. Shortly after I left, the circuit there, however, reoriented its energies. This is why I say I get frustrated when people will say, we tried it, it didn't work. That would have been an easy thing to say for that Mm -hmm. circuit to say at the time. What they did say was, let's turn our efforts someplace else. So they took that same kind of spirit, that same kind of support, and they turned to Hartford City, Indiana. 
And guess what? I, I'm not the man to tell you the story about this because this all happened after I left. But there is a Missouri Synod Church in Hartford City, Indiana today. Yeah, very good. You know, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, Ken, what, I, I love what you're, you're doing here. You're working to make sure that people are aware of the not only the need for church planting, but also uh, by the story you're telling uh, that y- you can do it. Uh, and even if it may not seem to work out according to our plan, that it's going to work out according to God's plan. And But we always know that as the gospel goes forth, it's going to be... Uh, uh, there's, it's going to be effective according to how the Holy Spirit wants to use it. So thank you very much for working on these resources. Yeah, and of course, the thing about the story is it is a story. That is to say, it's real and true to life. It's not anybody saying, you must do it this way. This is what we did do. And like I said, we may have even made some mistakes. There are some things that I can look back now and say, well, that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. <laughs> Nonetheless, we we did something. We got started, and uh, I, I will never forget the uh, district mission executive, Dave Doubledee, at the time in Indiana, came to our congregation after we'd been working this for about a year. And he made a special point of saying to the people in a sermon, you have not failed. Mm-hmm. When the gospel is preached, when the sacraments are administered, you have not failed. And that was a valuable thing for us to take. Therefore, this story, even if people you know, hear it today and say, oh, yuck, I wouldn't do that and I wouldn't do that. Still, if it says I should start doing something, right. it will have served its purpose. Now, can I understand that these uh, resources are still under production? And so I would encourage our listeners to just check back on the Senate website in the uh, Office of National Mission uh, section, and they'll be highlighted there for our viewers, uh, for our listeners to find. So uh, Dr. Sherba, I want to thank you again so much for uh, your efforts here and lifting up the purpose and the importance of church planting. And so uh, I offer you my hearty thanks. And uh, and for our listeners, too, we hope that you'll uh, come and join us again. So thank you, Dr. Sherba. And thank you, Mark. God's blessings to all. Uh, join us for our next podcast. Thanks for listening to the Mission Field USA podcast for church planting. Visit lcms.org slash church planting for other resources and information to share your ideas and to contact us. The Mission Field USA podcast is a production of the Office of National Mission of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in partnership with KFUO Radio. The Lord be with you.